I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Noel Mooney, Darren Murphy's with myself, uh, Neil Horgan, here to uh, cross-examine Noel Mooney. <laughs> Noel, lovely to see you, particularly in Limerick, yeah. your, your home. Yes, I live in Capamore. It's about 12 miles from here, out in East Limerick on the Tipperary border. It's a bit hurling over there at the moment, because Limerick, obviously, were last year's yeah. senior champions this year. It was a bit disappointing this so year, was it? It was. I thought we should have beaten Kilkenny in the semi-final. I was there, actually, which is one of the nice things about being back in Ireland. You get to go to all different sporting events. And did you miss the All-Ireland final last year? Were you I able didn't. To I was here. Uh, I hey. came back for it, yeah. Would you believe I was a guest of the GA, funnily enough, because at UEFA, we would do a lot of knowledge sharing. Okay. So, for example, we would have the GA turning up at UEFA and the IRFU, for example. And we would share... It's a good idea. Yeah, they're very good, actually. Uh, the GA, f- because it's much more difficult for them to benchmark themselves, whereas the FEI, for example, can look at, say, the Swedish FA or can look at the English or the Spanish, whatever it is. The GA don't have someone to benchmark, but they keep pushing to be fair to them in terms of media rights or fan engagement or the systems of entry to stadiums, all that kind of stuff. To be fair to them, they are very progressive. I would know the management team at the GA quite well. Um, and I must say, I'd be very. Do you mean the management team at Limerick or in the no, okay. in the GA headquarters itself? Okay. So, and is that from your role at FAI? Kind of, you got to know them. Over I would have known them from UEFA, as I said. They okay. would have come to us and they would say, "Okay, we'd like to go to Spurs' new stadium to see how it operates, because we'd like to bring some of the principles back into GA, which is is quite for me as an Irish person seeing an amateur organisation like the GA be so professional, and they really are." Um, what was your role then in that like were you involved in that on the ground in, in terms of like what is your role in UEFA previously I, I remember you were involved in the, the league development is, am I right so oh, what happened league? was when I joined UEFA in 2011 my first role was in the marketing side and that was Champions League Europa League the international competitions that was media rights that was commercialisation sponsorships all that kind of stuff but really what I was focused on in that area was helping federations to commercialise themselves. So, for example, doing commercial strategies for federations, whether that be England, Spain, Holland, we'd have worked with some of the huge federations, and then tiny federations like Liechtenstein, Andorra, etc. Um, what happened was when the new president came in around um, 2016, um, I moved across to the political side of the organisation so it meant National Association Division it's called it manages the relationship between UEFA and the 55 federations and my job in effect was to manage all of the support to them so for example you could have the Austrian FA want to do a whole strategy for Austrian football my job would be to manage it from, to support them to do that and to bring in experts Was that still marketing? It, was, it had broadened out at that stage so I started in the marketing side and as I say when the new president came in I came more into the wider relationship, so it could be participation, how to get more people to play football and to keep them playing for longer. It could be women's football. I mean, literally anything of the federation, which 
I suppose brings you a little bit to today because when the FBI um, got into the mess that they got into, when they looked around to see who had the skill set of managing a federation, experience of building federations in all the areas, whether it's finance, governance, everything really, um, I suppose it wasn't that easy for them to look beyond myself because I was at the centre of the UEFA organisation that manages European football. So even though there was a bit of... first time looking beyond yourself. I suppose, yeah. yeah. Um, But I I suppose, I mean, they got a bit of... um, a bit of pushback, I suppose, from government and different things when they brought me in because I used to work at the FBI. Okay. And I know we'll talk about that a good bit later, but I think if you're looking for some of the skill set who understood how federations transform themselves, that's what I've been doing for the last few years. Okay. So it was quite I was, natural. I, you know. I was talking, Darren, um, and it's, it's interesting to me, you, you, no offence now, but you sound very eloquent. Yeah. And previously, when, when we were roommates, right, you're, you're much more eloquent. If, 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 and obviously... I was talking to Darren earlier and there was there's a time period um, I was looking up your photos yesterday on Sports File there's a brilliant yeah. photo with yourself and Phil Harrington but there's a time period for me from when you stopped playing with Cork City and you had your first role with the FAI in terms of uh, integrating the, the what were they called the, the promotion offices, offices yeah. then from then and this is the case in Sports File from then till 2017 there's no photographs of, no, of Noel Mooney so that's from 2007 yeah. to 2017 so that's obviously what you've been doing and you've been presenting, and you, you've been upskilling from from that because you're very changed, I think, in a good way. Yeah. And you've just had a baby, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is congratulations. I suppose I don't right? notice the change because I'm doing it every day, so yeah, yeah. it's not something. Not that, that you uh, like. I, I mean, I, I was very fond of you as yeah, a player, yeah. also, and uh, I, I was speaking to Darren on the way up. So we would have been roommates um, back in 2001, I, I would say. Do you know Noel as a footballer, Darren, at all? Or? I would have known Noel as a footballer, yeah. And I was just saying, like, you know, people adapt and change over time, Hog. So you, you know that yourself. If you knew me as a footballer when I was a young fella, um, I would have probably played against you a couple of times, Noel. I think I actually scored a goal against you at one stage on a cove. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew. He spoke about this goal already, yeah. actually. Yeah. It was a lob, was it? It was a lob, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually do remember. You do it. remember? <laughs> it was a good strike, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was. Oh, yeah, there you go. Do yeah, you remember yeah. or don't you remember? I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went in just under the bar. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you said no, Eric Cantona. Uh, yeah, it was one of my favourite goals as a, as a kid watching Eric Cantona do it. He actually got a header from a corner cleared it and then ran the pitch and scored and I w- used to always watch it and it actually happened down in Cove then and unfortunately you were the goalkeeper well, I'm so glad to play the role yeah, in, yeah. with your in, best goal my, what are your best, my goals? best goals yeah but just uh, taking yourself back Noel how, how did your football story begin well if you go right back to the start I was born in London across the road from Arsenal Stadium the old stadium in Highbury so my father would have brought me to see Liam Brady, David O'Leary, Pat Jennings, who was my favourite goalkeeper when I was very small. And what happened was we moved back to Capmore, the village in East Limerick, when I was four. And I had a little Cockney accent coming back from London. Um, but I arrived into a very strong GA village, I would say, where I suppose playing soccer was not really encouraged. And I suppose it has stayed with me throughout my life, actually, that reaction of coming back, being a lover at that small age of football, and realising that it wasn't the thing to do. So when I wake up in the morning and my job is to promote football or protect football, it comes from there actually. It comes from not being allowed to play football in effect. It was something that was frowned upon, I would say. So we used to play football in the schoolyard um, all of the time. Um, We would have to play Gaelic football, but we'd throw down the ball and play soccer all the time. Of course we would. We would go after school, go and play football everywhere we could. 
as you know, until the, the light went down, we would just play football all the time. So that was that. But we didn't have a football club in the village or the villages around. The nearest village was four or five miles away. So I used to thumb to playing goals for a team when I was 10, 11. Um, which you wouldn't do now, obviously, but I used to do. And then I suppose I was quite tall, and I was quite, and I knew I wanted the goal, goalkeeper. I'd never played off field; it was always goalkeeping from Pat Jennings, and then John Lukic was right here at Arsenal as well. Were you, were just, you goalie in Gaz? Well, goalie in Gaz. So um, in the village in Catmore was Gaz. So I'd have played hurling, Gaelic football. Um, the club in Catmore, so just Catmore. Catmore yeah. yeah. So like I played GA right alongside the soccer. So here in Limerick, for example, we'd have won under twenty one A football championship in ninety four. And in 95, and in that team you'd have had the likes of John Hayes, the rugby player, played in 94, he was our full forward. I was the goalkeeper. Now, Gaelic football was quite easy because the goals were much smaller. And I mean, for example, I would never concede a penalty kick because it was 14 yards, I think, whereas the soccer the ball was, was a rock. Exactly. Well. So yeah. you'd never scored a penalty. It was like, what was John Hayes like? He was great guy he was very strong he was probably not the most mobile football I've ever seen just get it the ball into just him. knock it into him he was <laughs> never going to not get it and he would just lay it off to someone who was booming through uh, so we had a really good system with it. but I suppose um, what you had in the FEI structures I suppose at the time you had the Kennedy Cup um, and I'd have played against Cork actually and I not sure if Derek Hall and a cup, Colin O'Brien a couple yeah, yeah. may have played in that team. But that wasn't in, based in Limerick at the time. Yeah, it was UCD. UCD. Yeah, she right. played in UCD. It was one of the last years, I think, before it came to Limerick full-time. But uh, I remember looking at the Cork players. They were so good. They had, some of them had moustaches and sideburns and weeds. Oh, yeah, I've seen the like, photograph. The Colin O'Brien is in yeah. there. Yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah. Well, these there just look so guy. big. You're we need to find that guy. Uh, <laughs> we he were, had a moustache, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he actually did. And we were like culties, you know, arriving on. Like, just, what the hell is this? We're playing against men here. And um, that was a great experience. What happened actually from the Kennedy Cup was Stella Maris were at the Kennedy Cup and they asked me to go and play for Stella Maris for a season. And that Stella Maris team had the likes of Stephen Carr and Desi Baker and uh, Tony Grant and a good few more. A lot of players went away to England. But it was strange because you're getting a bus up to Dublin every weekend. I really wouldn't agree with that at all. That's why. That used to happen a lot. Oh, it used to happen a lot. I mean, Simon Webb was in that team, he used to come from Ballyhonas and Mayo. He ended up moving to Spurs, which I suppose was the idea of going to Dublin, is that the scouts are watching the DDSL matches. Yes. And it's funny for me because we're talking about something that when you're 13, 14 years of age, today at the FA, I'm dealing with the very same issues. Um, yeah, I suppose with the National League, yeah, we've yeah, got in the under 13s, yeah. under 14. 15s, uh, 17s, 19s. That has met resistance, should we say, because the old way of doing things was that you'd play for your Stella Maris, your Belvedere, your St. Kevin's. I suppose the high performance side of the FA has said that a better thing to do so say in Limerick I wouldn't have to go to Stella Maris now I could play for Limerick against Shamrock Rovers against Cork City under 13 which we believe is the right way to go I think for the next few years we're going to see how that goes well I'd agree with that certainly but I suppose then it came back down and what happened was then St Michael's and Tipperary is the biggest local team I'm not from the city I'm on the Tipperary border and really St Michael's would be the big power in our area so what happened was I went to St Michael's and we won the FA Youth Cup in 1994, which was a great summer because I did my leaving cert, won the FIA Youth Cup with St. Michael's against Saltill Devon, and as I said, won the under-21 Gaelic football final here as well, which was Great after three matches. We had three matches in the final, by the way, I have to say. Replays, two draws, two replays. <laughs> two replays. And it wasn't just for the gate receipts, that was because the actual game was <laughs> yeah, really drawn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we, St. Michael's winning the FIA Youth Cup gave huge confidence because it was a very good side. and. I got into the first team at St. Michael's at 17, which is quite young for a goalkeeper. But that would have brought you into contact with Oli Cahill because he was playing for Clonmel right. and he was a flying left winger and I could see he top had player. A, a top player. So we both got into the Tipperary, um, I think it was Oscar Trainer, the youth 
um, representative team. So I think I captained the side. And one day I remember getting the ball against Waterford, giving the ball to Oli Cahill. And I don't know if you ever saw John Barnes's goal in Brazil where he ran yeah. from one end of the pitch to the other and scored. It's it was like that. When you when you came to Cork, you, you definitely settled in it because I, I remember it as a fan of Cork City at the time. Were you 18, 19? The, yeah, there was a, a small bit missing. No, St. Michael's, okay. we won the FAU Cup and I'd signed for the following season. What actually happened was Limerick FC, I think it was Limerick City at the time, had started a reserve team. Um, Noel O'Connor was the manager. Oh, yeah, Noel. I didn't know Noel. But someone later had Pat Dolan, who later became Pat Dolan. Yeah, um, I was actually City. the opening of his new butchers this morning with oh, Pat no Dolan way. in Limerick City. Yeah, <laughs> Mick Wallace was there. <laughs> guy, and yeah. Claire Daly and others it was very good actually. Yeah, Dave Mahidi. Uh, so what happened was I was asked to come in and play for the Limerick City reserves, and this was important because the move from playing top level junior football. So St Michael's won the FA Junior Cup last weekend. Um, the difference is still immense. People don't. No, understand huge. what the difference to go against atle- real athletes I think Darren um, just had a game today with uh, Cove Wanderers where there was a League of Ar- an ex-art League of Ireland player playing yeah. for, for Avondale and, and he, 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 had, he was that bit better than the lads like it's, it's there, there, is, there is difference in levels and, and you just see movement and, and, and the pace that people are doing it at the top level like if you look at Dundalk played um, was it Karabakh or Karabakh like all the Karabakh players were probably quicker than the Dundalk players and Dundalk ha- have really quick players in Ireland but you, you just look at that level imagine they don't they don't stand up to like the likes of Barcelona's or something so imagine how quick they are and there is that certain level and distance think, between leagues. I think as well like I always found in soccer right that there's a bit of a you can't almost talk about the levels like you know a guy playing who played League of Ireland it's as if in months in your league they don't want to kind of talk about the difference between the levels as if there's a stigma about it and I, I actually think there's the same thing about National League or national Irish national players some of them who, who haven't come through the League of Ireland and the League of Ireland in that like it's, it's only a level and you can, you, can bre- you can get through that level now it is something that has to maybe you can't some players can't but it was Neil we, we lived in a very interesting you certainly lived in a very interesting time where you saw yeah players not going from the League of Ireland so much to actually starting to really see it was almost like a conveyor belt at one stage yeah. at Cork City where you saw the Doyle I think was probably the first one, who yeah. went in and there was Damien Delaney of course as well yes. sorry Delaney was before that actually he was, yeah. uh, then you chain long etc etc like if you go back to a level down again to go from top level junior football and I say St Michael's were certainly one of the top junior football are one of the top junior clubs yeah. in the country there was things about being a professional football if you want to call it that that they couldn't transfer to so just being on time and yeah. training two nights a week but is that knowledge Noel like kind of knowledge transfer of knowledge of what it is to be a professional like so when I came into Cork City for the first time and you were there for example you, you learn you pick up so much from being around guys who, who are playing at a certain level and you can either make it with them or not but if you, if you, if you don't have the opportunity to kind of uh, be around them you know, and there, it, it feels like s- clubs like St. Michael's or whoever are a bit remote yeah. from that knowledge. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I can only say what I saw. I suppose I went from a junior, like a local club, say my own club, Capmore, which had formed at that stage, to, you know, just turning up playing and a bit of training, a bit of running Tuesday and Thursday night. Then you go to St. Michael's where, for the first time, you're handed your kit and the kit's laid out in the dressing room. Great. And there's great. a pressure They're to be on club, time. No They're really well organized. Yeah. The pitches are Pitch perfect. Is fantastic. And for was. me, it was quite funny because it felt like joining a Manchester United, if you will. Yeah. In this area, fantastic. it is because... Brilliant. And also the players in the town are recognized. Yeah. So people in school, for example, would say, 
it's like you know good hurlers are getting footballers you talk about the lads the lads Great. we talk about your man's That's in the important, school isn't it? it's like yeah. that with St Michael's you're playing for St Michael's mm. all of the villages around know you play for them Where did you feel like in Limerick that wasn't the case it's very different suddenly Limerick was you were really in a men's world and it was a different environment it was it was really good learning experience and it was a crucial yeah, part of my own that. it had to be that year or two in Limerick ah, right. going into a League of Ireland match with a poor side against really good players and having to sink or swim um, and Noel King was the manager at Limerick he brought me into the first team and then a very strange thing happened Sam Allardyce had managed Limerick before that and he brought me to Blackpool for um, a long summer and I looked like I was going to stay at Blackpool and go to them and then he was fired um, he was fired um, by the chairman and then I what happened was in the middle of all of that it was a bit of a disaster for you <laughs> it, was, you know, it was actually okay and I'll tell you why because in the middle of all that I got a phone call out of the blue from Dave Barry what happened was in my season at Limerick I suppose the last game of the season was the Munster Cup Final the Munster Senior Cup Final in Turner's Cross so I was 18 I think and I played in Turner's Cross against the likes of Caulfield Declan Daly Garrett Cronin real top top side to us Um, you know these were people I knew from the television and we beat them in Turner's Cross Alec Ludzik for example was in goals for Cork City that day Um, that's how old I am and um, we beat them 2-1 and I had, I'd had a pretty good game. So that summer, so that finished, I don't know, in May or June or whatever it was. I went off work on the building sites, funny enough, in London. And in the middle of all that, I got a phone call from Dave Barry to say, I've just taken over as the manager. Dave was playing that day. I think Liam Murphy was playing okay. in that Moscow final. And they took over as managers that summer. It was the summer, I think it was 95. Why I remember that summer, it was Labour had just taken control in England, Tony Blair. And Oasis had two big concerts in Cork. And I remember coming back to Ireland and the thing was about Cork City to us, they were always a very glamorous club yeah. because they had Adidas. They yeah, had gear. Guinness on the shirt. <laughs> I remember playing <laughs> a, a, match, a Munster then. Senior yeah. League match against Cork City. They beat us, I think, 6-1 in Hogan Park here in Limerick. Brian Barry Murphy was unbelievable at the... Colin O'Brien was playing, all these guys. But I looked at their tracksuits and their kit... And Jerry Harris met me after the game. We went for the after-match. And I said to Jerry, I'm going to play for Cork one day. And he just couldn't stop laughing at me. And all I was looking at was his lovely Adidas T-shirt. And I just thought, that's a proper club. So what happened was, Dave Barry said, come down. Um, So I remember arriving at Cork and going for my first training session. And there was um, the likes of Crone and all. But the same week I joined, Patsy Frank came back. Oh, right. And I didn't know Patsy Frank was. (laughs) Um, and then I went training. You do now. And I, once, uh, immediately I went. I said he. I looked at him, and I have to be honest. I didn't even think he could be a footballer because he had the little skinny legs and yeah. Funny smoking coming. To the yeah, smoking yeah. and all that. But he just, as you know, was unbelievable to to play. But then Ollie Cal signed the same week. Right. Derek Collin would have signed back on the same North week. Hart, yeah, yeah, came back from Northampton. Ollie Cal. So in that summer, a young group, a, a young group, a new group. The club had come out of a really difficult time. Mm. They built a really good side quite quickly. What was amazing for me, I, I must tell this about Phil Harrington. Is this ninety eight now? This is no. This is ninety five, ninety six. Okay. I'd say yeah. it's summer ninety five right. because um, what happened was in nineteen eighty nine, Cork City got to the cup final, and they played against Derry City, a really top Derry City. They'd won the treble the year before, and I watched um, the cup final on television. And I remember watching Phil Harrington and I absolutely fell in love with him as a goalkeeper. Just his style and the way he just operated. <laughs> so I, lo- I fell in love with... I remember Coxley wearing like the German kit. Yeah. Before Germany, I'd say, were even wearing at that stage. Front, yeah. I remember strength. looking going, that is outrageous kit. <laughs> uh, just everything about them. Dave Barry hit the crossbar that day with a volley. 
they just look fantastic. And I remember thinking, geez, I'd love to play for them. So um, I used to come into Limerick when Cork City were playing against Limerick, go in really early to watch Phil Harrington just warm up. Really? Just to watch him warm up. I was so enthralled by this guy. The way his boots were, I just saw it. He was what I wanted to be, I would say, as a professional. So it must so be when great I, then when he was, was, were you his replacement? Or like he so kind of rep- not replaced yeah, him, but well, I came in he was coming to the end to of his challenge career. him, yeah. I would say. Because, I mean, I was 18, 19, whatever it was. Um, he was 36, maybe, uh, 37, I guess. Um, Biscuits, as he's known to Cork. He came back at that stage. They very brought him back. So okay. I think they were looking at me to start, and I played the first four games that season. And I didn't do great in the first four games. I was a little bit out of my depth, to be honest, which in the first four games. We lost the game against Bowes 1-0. And I knew after the game, I could feel the body language of Dave that I wouldn't be playing the following week. So after four games, they put Biscuits back in goals. And he was fantastic. <laughs> and that was it for a while. I just got to watch it. But do you know what? It actually was perfect because I got to watch him close up again to watch what it meant to be a really good goalkeeper and to prepare in the right way. I mean, he's... Work his preparation is sensational, as, as yeah. you would know well. Um, his the way he behaved, his philosophy. Yes. So that was brilliant actually getting to watch him. And then I should also tell the story you probably heard it before, where when I joined Coxley, I had nowhere to stay. I just hadn't thought it through. Um, and this carries true to what I do today. Is I suppose I'd met Noel Feeney when I was down there, and she said you can stay at my house for a week um, till you find somewhere. And I ended up staying there for a couple of years in the spare room <laughs> and I, you don't know in life how things work out but what I saw from her house was how a community club should operate how a football club is not about a team it's about a proper club and I mean I, remember, I even remember the cup final for example we used to sell the tickets for the cup final out of her house so people were coming over to collect their tickets and they'd sit down and have a cup of tea which I was, I was coming in from work and you'd be sitting down selling a ticket to somebody in a match you were playing in. Uh, and that was quite, selling jerseys. It was quite interesting. But, you know, if there was things she would do like hospital visits or school visits, of course, you would do them because you had no choice because you had to live there. Um, so that was, that. I didn't know at the time, but what I was getting was an education in how a club operated. So anyway, the f- season after, I got back in the side and that was it then. It just grew and grew. I felt myself get more confident. I was there for nine years. There was about five I was in. Yeah. The, the first you're you're going really for the league and you're winning cups. cups. We, we won the cups, the league cup yeah. and the FAI cup. The cup win was 98. That was, but I remember coming back to Cork after it and we got the train back down and getting the bus ride around Cork. It was like, you know, when you see the hurlers go back after. It was yeah. like that. And there was that the feeling of reception. we're building something very special here. Um, and obviously, I, the, the club then started to go more full-time. Mm. And they brought in Derek Mountfield and that. And when he came in, I had a couple of bad games. And Mick Devine had been making a big name for himself at Waterford. And the funny thing was, actually, I played against Mick a few times at Waterford. At that stage, I actually believed there was a better goalkeeper. I believed there was a cooler, calmer goalkeeper. Yeah. And then somewhere, and this is the honest bit, somewhere after winning cups and getting close in leagues, I have to be honest, I wasn't that player to keep going forever at it. Okay. There's some players um, who are very good consistently and they should be celebrated for a long time. I actually started to lose that desperate desire to win things. It felt like I'd won a couple okay. and I didn't have, say, Biscuit's desire to be brilliant for 20 years. I kind of started to discover other things in life like yeah. business and marketing and other things where being a footballer didn't become the most important thing in the world. That's that's about that time where I'm playing with you and I'm rooming yeah. with you and yeah. you're uh, he's a chain smoker at the yeah. time, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I was scared about the room yeah. burning down. <laughs> but you have folders in the room you're yeah. reading. 
you're involved in business and I could see that happening for yeah. you right and what 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 stood out for me e- even back then looking back yeah. and now coming in to meet you again today right is that I remember rooming with you and we were talking at the time and this is bringing it all back together maybe a little bit about we were a bit frustrated at the time about how the League of Ireland was being treated yeah and how maybe what we do if we got in there yeah. or do you remember that like we would have conversations v- vaguely, 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 yeah. I say, yeah, vaguely I would say yeah <laughs> maybe I remember I them a bit more than I you think I was just agreeing with you rather yeah. than <laughs> maybe it was me right uh, but at the time I did feel like I, I, I was having conversations with people is that we weren't being backed yeah. and maybe later on again when we did even better in Europe um, you know when we were becoming more full time yeah. uh, under maybe Pat Dolan and Rico yeah. there was an absence for me complete absence of FAI support to what we were doing and, and as you know I, I've, I've written books about this right and I, like I'm very interested in your take on that as of today because I think I mean we were, talk, we were talking 20 years ago right and like I spoke to John Caulfield recently as well and he says the same thing 20 years before that that they nev- the FAI I suppose and if, if you go back I think to 1921 right when they were set up they were never really interested in the league Noel is my view right is my view and I'd like to know your view on that yeah, just I from a point like I, because course, yeah. particularly from you, you've just gone through in fairness to yeah. your League of Ireland love which I think it was your first love really like yeah. you know and you're not one you got involved then with the FAI to try and boost it okay and then what we have now today I think is basically a situation where the FAI have done very little for the league that is, is what I suppose. Okay, well, it's a great question, and it's one that is based around the commercial realities. So, the English FA have done nothing for the Premier League that I'm aware of. The Premier League is an entity it's itself safe. that is driven by media rights and media money. Um, as you know, next Tuesday we've got the clubs back in. There's a big decision to be made in the league very, very soon on what needs to be. But if we go back into what I've seen, so we had them conversations about how the league could be better. The FAI is a very wide remit, you have to remember. It's got grassroots football, it's got international football, it's got lots of things. The League of Ireland, it, it was taken over in 2000, when I joined actually, in 2006, 2007, because it kept collapsing. So, move the FAI out for a minute. The clubs ran the league for a long period, not the FAI. The FAI provided the referees, they did competitions. The competition management side of it did the fixtures, etc. But the clubs actually ran the, um, the league. The reason we took over the league in 2006 was because Drogheda had won the league, collapsed. Shelburne won the league, collapsed. So you were getting... The league was taking in 12 million and spending 19 million. So what we did was we took over the league to get it back to equilibrium so the clubs weren't going bust all of the time. So that was the first step. The second step is then you look at the commercial side of it. How much money can you bring into the league? So the commercial deals for the league were not, are not strong enough. And that's what we're looking to change now. But I'm going to sympathise with what you're saying now. Because what I would say is I came into the FEI, there was an attitude of helping this league and growing this league. But within two years, the entire marketing budget was wiped out because the FEI itself got into the recession, the Vantage ticket offer for the Aviva Stadium failed. And when they were drawing lines through budgets, one of the budgets that was hit significantly was the League of Ireland. And... That is sad. It's not good enough. Um, and that's we're back to starting again in what the big vision for the league should be. Um, so I left the FEI um, 
and it, I wasn't going to UEFA leaving the FAI. I was leaving the FAI full stop. It was just by chance that I'd been working with UEFA and they'd asked me to write a paper on the future of growing European football and they liked it and they took me in to UEFA. But I was frustrated at the FAI at the lack of investments, the lack of um, budget that you required to bring the league onto the next level. And you have to remember as well, I mentioned at the start, the wide remit of the FAI. There's other forces in football. It's not just the League of Ireland. In fact, in some areas, I would say, sadly, there's some resistance to the league being successful. And that does not come from the FAA, us, I guess. That can come from schoolboy football. That can come from amateur junior football, if you want to call it that, who do not see why we need to have a strong League of Ireland. I, as yeah, you know, I don't fundamentally doubt that for disagree a second. with it. Don't doubt that for a second. But it's just the FAI's role in the League of Ireland, honestly, for 100 years. Like, So when, when the FAI was set up, I think, 1921, some, the reason it was partly was because uh, of a match between Shelburne and I think, I don't know, was it Linfield or Glentorin when... Yeah they refused to play the match in Dublin because of the troubles and all that so it's, its roots are in the League of Ireland right and it's our highest level of sport you might say that the clubs ran the league fair enough but I don't think that the FAI's responsibility for the league started in 2007 I, I wouldn't accept that right uh, when you say responsibility it depends on the level I mean even if the league breaks away from us now the association always ha- would have to have jurisdiction on things like licensing refereeing um, facilities, you'd always have that but remember a league is driven by its commercial its commercial viability so the Spanish FA have, are in conflict with La Liga, that's possibly the biggest league in the world the Spanish FA would assign the referees the same in Turkey, but the league is run by salespeople who go around and sell the TV rights the TV rights in turn, so if you go back to what I was talking about earlier with Turner's Cross we'd have packed Turner's Cross Money was coming in through the gate. Yeah. And all that was happening, Neil, was that they were paying more for players. Yeah. That's all that would happen. So I'm not what the FAI's role there was was to get more money from T V rights possibly and to give more to the clubs. Um, do you think honestly no, do you think honestly they were interested in League of Ireland? When you say the they, way that they should have uh, been you say the they, top brass in the FAI. I think there's people there who come from the League of Ireland, the top brass the top brass finna call it that, who are interested are they interested enough? I would say no is the answer. I mean, yeah. that's but that, the, that that was very yeah. clear to me as a player. I'm just I'm just I'm just expressing that. Yeah, and um, I think I think any player in the League of Ireland, not any player, but a lot of players would have felt that throughout the years. And even with the advancements that we made at a crucial time, say when we went professional in in the mid noughties that even the lessons from that weren't learned with the you know the Conroy report. I don't want to go into that in too much detail, but it was essentially look. Um, clubs need to look after themselves better was the answer whereas actually no no. do you know what everyone's responsible for, for developing Irish football and particularly the FAI and I suppose Noel my overall rant on this would be that the League of Ireland hasn't a chance not a chance with all the competition in it involved in Irish football and the level it has unless the FAI are really behind it I know we're talking about a new model now going forward but that is my history of Irish fo- domestic football from from year now to going back to 921. Like. Well, Neil, I would agree wholeheartedly with uh, in many of, of much what you said, but like coming home, that was one of the real attractions was yeah. to, while I'm here, is to find a really big decision um, for the League of Ireland, um, whether that's a cross-border league or whether that's a better version, a much better version of what we have. Now, if you look at today, you've got, say, Shamrock Rovers, I think their model is quite good. 
we've got a very big investor, it seems, about to come into Shamrock Rovers and spend a lot of money on the club to take them to the next level. What the FAI's role in that? Um, there wasn't one. We helped them with the stadium. We helped them with their training centre. We helped them with putting the under-13s, 15s, 17s leagues, which is a business model for Shamrock Rovers. Um, but let's say even, even the concept of professional football in Ireland... Right, because this was completely absent, in my opinion, from the Conroy report, which was lauded afterwards. And we had just come through. Sorry, now this is my, me venting this. Right, we had just come through a period where Cork City had gone into liquidation because of professionalism and the challenges involved and the way things had gone. And yet, we had this report come out about the League of Ireland, which didn't mention professionalism and the the the, the game. Uh, the, the, the problems with professionalism the advantages which had created all those players the Kevin Doyles the Shane Longs the Seamus Coleman's on the one hand and probably bankrupt the clubs to an extent on the other hand and yet it wasn't talked about the, 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 the idea of professional soccer in Ireland domestic professional soccer is an idea that uh, does, it, does it reach the, the, the boardroom level in the FAI and to what extent do they talk about that? Okay. Because I, I, I think it's absent. I'm going to tell you an interesting um, story from this hotel, actually, where we're meeting today. I remember being here one night, working through a document when the clubs were in real trouble we'd taken over the league. It was before we did the premium seats for the Viva Stadium where it looked like the FAI would have money, real money, for the next number of years. And we sat here and worked on a document to take over all of the clubs, to centralise all the contracts of the players, to get all the clubs professional. What year was this roughly? This was when Doyle, Seamus Coleman, they were starting to move. So you're looking at Six, 2008, seven. I would say. 2000 Doyle went five, but Coleman yeah. went later, seven, yeah. eight. Yeah. I think it was 2008, yeah. because we sat, as I say, in this hotel, and we walked through a dock, and what would it take to buy out all of the clubs and to put all the players on central contracts and it meant that the next conv- the players as they were coming through, like the RFU like would rugby, have. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So we were looking at that. Um, the reasons why you couldn't do it was because Sligo Rovers, the members club, would Sligo Rovers allow the FAI to buy them? Shamrock Rovers had come through a traumatic few years. They'd got their membership up and running. Would they allow the FAI to buy them? Now, that's not out there. That was a private piece of work we're working on, but I'm trying to give you a small bit of insight to what happened. We looked at buying out all of the clubs, centralising all the contracts. The profits of the player sales could come in percentage-wise back to the club, appointing chief executives at the clubs, putting business plans into all the clubs. And then what happened was the Vantage Tickets um, project failed. And then it was back to recession and cuts and all that. So I would have, at that point, been quite strongly personally behind that concept that we could have picked eight or ten clubs, own the clubs, like the RFU do with the provinces, I guess, in many ways, centralise the contracts. I thought that would have been a very good way to go. Um, it's kind of moved on from that now. Um, I believe the next few months are going to be crucial for the future of the league. Um, there's stuff going on in the background, people interested in this league, that I'm positive, positive, really positive about. People with a lot of money and a lot of influence who are interested in getting involved in our league and I don't just mean um, the ones you read about the Kieran Lucid idea and that there's other people out there who are making soundings certainly to me and one of the big things I mean I share Neil I'm not going to defend for a second the FAI's um, 
influence on the league. There has been good things like the financial fair play, for example, which meant it was much more difficult for clubs to get in trouble. And we can talk about that in detail if you want, no problem. Would that have come um, from UEFA, though? Well, the FEI was before UEFA. The FEI, would you believe, came up with a 65% salary cost protocol, which meant the 65%. This was before UEFA had financial fair play. UEFA took that model, and the guy, Podrick Smith, who's now the CEO of Colorado Rapids, he was my roommate. We lived together in, when he was over at UEFA. Um, he went to UEFA to help UEFA set up financial fair play. So, I mean, the FBI would always get a bad rap. They're, li- they're like the government. They're a lightning rod for anything that goes wrong. There would be a feeling the FBI when Cork City get in trouble, for example, which they did when Tom Call and them were around, which I've, written, I've read your extensive pieces on that. The FBI would at times throw their, shrug their shores and say, what in God's name can we do if someone does that with a club? I mean, but do you not we can th- protect yeah. the club with rules, licensing. When we try to enforce licensing, the clubs are upset. When we don't have licensing and we let clubs get into trouble, they get upset. So there sometimes is a feeling in the FAI that the clubs do actually need to take responsibility. I mean, the English FAI yeah, do nothing just, for Liverpool. Just, just on that, Noel, and, and, and uh, probably well, I'll be disagreeing with you a small bit on the FAI's side, a small bit that way. Like, you were bailing out clubs at the start and people kind of forget about that. And I totally understand that for clubs to run, because I'm, I'm in business, it needs money, it needs investment, you have to have it. And I can see the FEI's point of view, but I think people are pissed off because you're looking at these headlines like the, the League of Ireland prize money is 100 grand and some fella's got 300k or on whatever. And, and that's what people are pissed off about. And I think if you're seeing those kind of headlines and stuff like that... I don't think the clubs are innocent for one bit because they're, they're, there's stuff, I, I'd say, hidden within clubs that money got squandered. Every club has a story that way. So I can see the FAI's point of view there. But I think it's something that's really important going forward is that you have the right people in the room for these conversations, for clubs to, to grow and go together and that the right people are running the clubs as well. Yeah, I suppose when I came back, I mean, talking to, about Neil, Neil knows that the League of Ireland is my first love. Um, we just spoke about it there. But when I came back, one of the first things I did was to bring all the clubs together and to bring in other stakeholders like Neve from the supporters, Stephen McGuinness, the PFAI, Stephen Henderson actually representing the League Managers Association. Um, we brought them all into a room. We allowed Niall Quinn to present his ideas for the league. Uh, we allowed Kieran Lucy to, we asked them to present their concepts so we're absolutely wide open. Whatever the best thing for the clubs is for the league is what we will do. But what I can say is that in my time here, that for me is the biggest issue, is deciding the future of the league and having a business plan and investment. And I don't mean small investment, I mean really big investment. It can't be a four-year plan or five-year plan. It needs to be a 20, 30-year plan. Because you're building stadiums, you are um, investing in youth. That doesn't happen in three four years there is a big difficulty you know with trust now at this point there has to be without, without i don't want to go into the details because it's 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 incredibly frustrating as someone who's played in the league of ireland to see those headlines coming out i think it's appalling to be honest with you and i know look you're, you're not at all you know on a different wave or page to me on that but i i still do think right i like that the fai i know you can say individual clubs and all this but to to up to now, to to push a league, you need leadership. You need leadership. You can't have individual clubs. I know you have the marketing plan for each club, 5,000, whatever. Look, it might have been a good idea for each individual club. But the actual force behind domestic football had to come from above. 
right? It had to come from the leadership, and it didn't. It didn't, and never had. And my big fear, honestly, is that I know you're here for a period, right? And you're going to go back, and it looks like nice things are going to happen and all that, and there's things, and hopefully there's more people in the background and all that. But, like, to be honest, is anything going to change at all? I, I have serious doubts about it. And I mean, as in, change for the better, right? So, uh, in, in respect to the League of Ireland, I have serious, serious doubts. And I think, I, I don't know what can be done for my doubts to be allayed. I, I don't know if you're in a position, you're probably not in a position to do so, uh, because it's all up in the air. But, I mean, I, I, I am furious with the FAI in terms of how they've treated the League of Ireland in the context that we're now learning about. And I suppose... I, I don't know what you can say in terms of going forward. I know the positive spin is... I'm not saying it's a spin. I know where you're coming from. But is there anything you can do to allay, I suppose, League of Ireland people's fears that we're going to be in the same position with a fragile league, with clubs that are going under, with a bit of a blame claim from the FAI, in my opinion, every time it does that clubs get your stuff in order, when, in fact, there's a lack of leadership at the top driving forward, or even talking about the professional game. Is there anything to allay those fears that I have that, that, that you know of well there's a, a few points there um, I suppose the, the, the big point is that yes there should have been more leadership um, I believe now is the time there's no point looking backwards all of the time um, we have to make them big decisions it's a very interesting time at the association because I'm only here for a few months if I was staying full time you'd be more certain that the right things will happen well, at least because you, you can control yeah, it yeah. so if I stayed longer mm. I'd love to have seen this whole thing through to the end which is getting huge investors into the league showing leadership so to build a league you need to have very good commercial deals but no, well, you, you need to believe in it I know we talk commercial yeah. but you need to believe in it I know you believe in it right they never believed in it quite honestly no never not, not at all would you disagree I would say it's a bit more mixed than that, I would say. Okay. It's not quite as black and white as that, I would say. Um, but did they have enough belief is more the question. Whether they believed or not, there was belief. I don't think they had enough belief. I think any time there was a national, you know, I know it is commercial realities, but it's not just a commercial entity. It's not just commercial. It's not just for profit business. It's, it's got a responsibility. It's the governing association of, sport, of soccer in Ireland. So it has a responsibility not just to make money. It has a responsibility to grow the game. Okay, and a big part of that was the League of Ireland. I know I'm not trying to cut in and say that you're, you're saying it's just a the commercial. There are commercial realities, but they seem to always uh, surpass any of the other. So anytime there was an international uh, European Championships or World Cup, League of Ireland under the table, let's forget about it, lads. As in, that's, that's the, ex- the experience I had. And it was, the lads are off on a jolly. And you know what? Whatever happens when, co- when they come back, we'll pick up the pieces again. And no real change. No real change. That's the truth. And I think even the debate about the League of Ireland stops. And that's not the FAI's fault. It, it, you know, it's, we're, all, we're all to blame. The debate about Irish football stops any time we get to European Championships or World Cup. And, and our real development of our, national, of our domestic league never happens because of that. And it needs leadership at the top to say, right, we do want to qualify for these European Championships. Of course, we do want to agree. But, but we have to have an ongoing progression for our domestic league. But, but Neil, can I make a couple of points now on this? You can. A lot of our national team today is made up of people who came through the League of Ireland. That was the intention. 
um, and that's what's happened. So, you know, you'll see the likes of When you of say J- the intention, yeah. I think, I don't think it was the intention. I, I'll be honest. I think, and I will give the FBI credit for the underage structures, recent notes. Absolutely. Abs- I think it's the best thing they've ever done. The, uh, was it Rude Doctor, perhaps, behind that? Under 19s, 17s, 15s. Um, I think it, it was brave to do. And I think the thing, we're, we're going back to the Kennedy Cup and young fellas going over at, you know, at ages that I think are inappropriate. I think that was brave. But... Um, I'm after losing my thought now again, my rant. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? So apoplectic with rage. You could yeah, see yeah, me yeah. on the rage. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what that was. Um, no, but the truth is that the high performance structures, which the 13s, 15s, 17s, in the face of a lot of opposition, was put through by the yeah. association. That's one. That's one part. But I'm after remembering. Sorry, no. Okay. The intent. You said intent. I don't think they intend... Honestly, I think they got... Kevin Doyle came out of Cork City. Brian Lennox was funding Cork City. You can speak to Brian Lennox about the support he got from the FBI. You know, you know and, and suppressing negativity and all of this. Um, Seamus Coleman coming from Sligo. The FBI never really... Like, I remember watching the FBI's... Um, reading the website, and they were loving the fact that players were going over at 16 through the school by clubs, and they were... Cher- they were, they were no, they stopped doing that. They stopped having on their website that you know we had a guy in with our under 16 squad he's over now at Chelsea isn't that fantastic he came through the FAI I don't think the intent was there I think that came they realised it after and, and this is part of my I suppose overall take on it it's been everything about the League of Ireland has been reactive from the FAI in my opinion up till in fairness the underage structure is part of it and I, I give him great credit for that but I, I think this is where the problem is, Noel. I think if we're going to continue to be reactive about the League of Ireland at the very top of the FAI, then we're, we'll, never, we'll never progress. It has I to be agree. really Neil, proactive. I don't disagree with anything there. I think that leadership needs to be extremely brave. Um, it needs to be investment because you're right, it's not just about return investment. It's return on what the objectives of the association are, which are to produce better footballers to give people the chance to reach their, their potential, to have interest in domestic football, so more people going to the games, watching on TV, etc. So, I agree. I think that we need to invest a lot more. Um, but we Is it going to happen? In my view, yes, it will happen. Absolutely, in my view, it will happen. I won't be there for it. Um, but I'm trying to get on the path to doing that. Um, as you know, there are offers in on taking the league out to manage it, whether it's cross-border relatively likely I would say I don't know but we're working on it on Tuesday with the clubs all we can do is to present a vision so I'm working with guys in UEFA at the moment to write a pretty big vision for the league based on everything we know from European football and based on everything we know obviously here in Ireland so at the moment you've got two tracks you've got this private entity um, and you have us building a better version of what we currently have and that's quite radical. What's in the plans is pretty radical. Uh, that's presented to the clubs on Tuesday, the working group. Then it goes back to all the clubs at the end of this month or early October. And then it's for the clubs to decide which track that they want to take. So it's not... And will the FA give guidance on that? The FA will absolutely give guidance on it. We've got pretty clear views on what we think is the right thing to do. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting because I'm only back three months. Yeah. I came back with my heart beating quite fast for the league. I think it's the perfect time for me to be here actually 
um, in a bit of chaos. We were, we were just discussing on the yeah. way up a, goal, a goalkeeper's role, you know. Yeah. You have to be mad to you be do. a goalkeeper. You'd almost have to be mad to take the role that you've taken on. Yeah, you do. I mean, I can't speak about what you, what you spoke about because there's legal process going on about... Yeah. There's reviews going on. There's so many reviews going on. I've lost count of them. And all them results, I guess, you know, you'll see what comes out of that later. But um, I can only speak about the future now. Um, and yes, I mean, the FEI... Whatever these reviews come come out, you know the FA will do whatever it has to do. It's changing really quickly because I'm now facing a new board. Four new independent directors start who could come from the business world, real leaders, we hope, um, coming in in the next few weeks. Then you've got all these various committees, the league committees completely changing. Um, so there's loads of change going on. But amongst all of that, you need to make really big big brave decisions on the league and as you said earlier Neil um, I'm not going to go on a rant back to you about what Fair enough. is right <laughs> or wrong I know what's I have a good sense I should say of what the right thing to do is I'm very cool and calm that we can do it but it needs um, to transform and it change it needs to be radical reform yeah really radical no question about that but just yeah. with that change then it's I think you're, I think it's very hard for you. you're fighting a losing battle in a way because, as you said, the underage structure is brilliant, right? But then you could go down to some clubs and they say we can't afford a bus for our kids. There, I, I do, I do see the difficulties, and it. Some people will agree with it. Some people will disagree. That's the same for if you do a cross border league, it might be great for the league in some sense in some clubs, and then other clubs are complaining. So you're dealing with that constantly. But I, I, I think, I think the openness and the honesty needs to come out like look lads this is what we're dealing with you know uh, there's there's this much money in the fund it's going into League of Ireland we've given this much to this club what have they done with it do you know and that's 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 what people people want to see is that like you've put in the effort you've made it you've you've made it public because now with social media everything is out there again I, I, I just think that's that's the most important thing for the FEI going forward is his honesty because I do, I do, I see it. I see it from kind of, I kind of take a step back from things and look at it at both sides. It's difficult. It's easy to rant and rave, no, you know, and it is, and it's, it, 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 that's the it easier, is, that's the easier thing. So, talk about transparency. I mean, I would like to think that as a person, I'm extremely transparent in everything I do, um, and I hope that even in the few months I've been at the FBI, like social media, as you know, I was doing Twitter in the last weeks. People can ask me whatever they want. I have absolutely nothing to hide. Um, because I know, yeah, nothing, and I agree mm. fully. Well, even meeting us today yeah. now, knowing that you know we were going to go into depth about For the me, League of Ireland, is, is I am more passionate about the League of Ireland than you are now. I know. <laughs> Trust me on that. Okay, I'm not going to get he, he, he was tumming to Dublin at 14. Yeah. You can't match that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going. To I also sold tickets with uh, Noel Feeney. I just want to. But, but there's the other side. I mean, at the end of the year in the media, and you're talking about it. That's very different to having to do the politics oh, and the finances and the investment, the responsibility goes with that. But apart from being transparent, what I will also say is I'd be extremely brave in making decisions. Always at UEFA, we've made very big decisions on European football. I'd like to think I've played a role in that. Um, you think that, it would be something that you might consider staying on if you... Um, there's two sides to this. One is that the government, the minister has made it clear he would like if I wasn't here. Um, because I used to work for the FAI. I think that's crazy stuff, to be honest with you. I worked in middle management. I was let go by the FAI. They're, they're the facts. Um, I had no impact on the big decisions of the FAI when I was here. I went away around Europe for the last eight years to prove myself and to learn to operate the highest level that you can off the pitch. I work with all of the federations of Europe, the biggest and the smallest in 
practically every area. If there's somebody out there who's got a better skill set to run the association, that's great. Um, but I think it's really throwing the baby out with the bathwater to say that because I worked in the association many years ago, I would like to think that it gave me a good sense of history to understand, as you said quite rightly, the lack of love at times shown to the league that I saw, I saw myself. Um, you understand I'm not in the media, I can't rant and rave about the no, FBI. No. I, can't, I can say I, neglect, yeah, you I can, can say lack I can't, of love. I can't, <laughs> I can't rant and rave about UEFA, I work there. Yeah. So I have to demonstrate diplomacy. But, there's but if two, this th- job was there for you, for example... I think that you have to do the right thing for Irish football and if the, right th- if the government, for example, think it's better that I go back to UEFA, then I think that that's the right thing, thing to do. Best thing for Irish football, yeah. yeah best uh, thing for Irish football. Uh, it's not the best thing for me. And we, we were, we were I, not moving on slightly, yeah. what is it like to work in UEFA in terms of that? that it, it, like for us, it's like some mythological cloud. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> Where um, is it? There's about 650 people working in UEFA, but what you've got from what I see is the best people who work in football in many ways they for me it's a bit like the Rome of the past looking at football because we sit around and look at how do we get the game better it's really interesting to be part of it and I suppose I'm very lucky because of that 650 people maybe 450 500 work in specific roles whether that's the signage in the stadiums for Champions League or whether that's youth competitions they're quite focused roles on a particular mine isn't mine is about the growth of European football so I lead the UEFA Grow programme which is about how do you grow European football and it's really wide it looks at everything does it include smaller leagues yeah versus the Champions all of that is in is in my remit we look at we work with leagues for example I'm doing a lot of work with the Estonian League on how to build the Estonian League they've grown their attendances 40% this year they've hired new CEOs of the clubs new uh, marketing directors of the clubs that UEFA co-funded um, we've helped them get new broadcast deals basically build all of the clubs up um, we're doing in Slovakia quite soon as well a similar project so they're projects that you come yeah. in UEFA come in and yeah. do on a league a yeah. domestic league yeah. could they do one in Ireland? yes they could and why um, haven't they? yeah they haven't because we're doing a lot of different projects with the FBI okay. it's the same women's football we do see so you can't give our you know I mean priority well, yeah. well no you have to be fair of course and at the time the Estonian FA came with a desire to improve their league and you have to get that desire from both sides of the table UEFA won't invest extra money in something unless there's a real desire so if the desire is there yeah. they will invest yeah. and grow and yes absolutely uh, where does the investment go to, to each club or is it it goes through it has to go through the federation because UEFA is a members yeah, yeah, the federation. So, but it's the federation that would, yeah. d- would do that I mean that's not a, that's not a plan about how to yeah it's not hard to but I actually think UEFA will play a role in whatever the future of the league is obviously my relationship being a UEFA employee mm. uh, having been one for seven and a half years and going back to being one in December again um, I've won the most interesting roles I think in European football I say it's, it's a relatively blank canvas in growing the game. You get to work with the biggest clubs in the world, you get to work with the biggest leagues in the world and the smallest ones. So I've went away to learn all that and to get your hands dirty working with them. We go back to will you stay? I think the government have made it clear that like if I didn't, I still don't at all understand that attitude, to be quite honest with you. But if I did stay, I think I'd really make a brilliant fist of, of developing a great league probably what you have to deal with now and you know it yourself is you are associated with what went on before for good or for bad and and your your ability to I know you've discussed you you were effectively left go but at the same time you know you are being tarnished with it 
to a degree. Which, which, I, I, I don't know if that's obviously you would say it's not fair. Let me come back to you for a second. Yeah. Um, you played at Cork City. Yeah. You're related to the to Brian, of course, and all that, which is great. Um, but imagine if you went to become the CEO of Cork City, and they said because you were related to somebody who used to run the club, and because you played for the club, you can never be the CEO of the club. For me, that's a restriction of. It's just bonkers, to be quite honest with you. It doesn't. It's not based in reality. It's based in wanting to score political points. It's the FBI is an easy punching bag at the moment. I now am back into the mode of when I was that child coming back from England where people didn't like my sport. That's the mode I find myself yeah. at the moment. That's, you feel that familiarity. And I can feel it. Yeah, everyone's yeah. attacking our yeah. sport right now. Yeah. And I will give everything I've got to, to defend, protect. And if that means with the reviews we talk about, whatever happened, I wasn't there. I've been there for nearly eight years. I worked at a relatively junior level at the FEI. Um, work my way through things so to come back after eight years and for people who I don't know I've never met yes. to say that you're not someone said that I think it was the minister said that I'd be one of the last people in the world who should be doing the job I don't really understand it to be quite honest with you I don't I understand why people say let's just scorch everything that was ever there let's burn everything and start all over again but that is just not based in reality I mean how was I supposed to get to UEFA? Was I supposed to turn up from St. Michael's and say, hi, lads, I'm here? No, I had to work through a club. I had to listen to Noel when I was young. <laughs> I had to come to Limerick FC, walk around the city selling sponsorships for 50 quid and 100 quid. I had to go to my association, which is the only association that's on the island, and in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland, I should say. I had to learn how that worked, how an association works. Then I had to go to UEFA and understand how that works and to demonstrate that I could work in that environment and succeed in that environment. So, I mean, could you come from working in a chip shop to running the FEI? Could you come from being an accountant to run the FEI? Well, understanding all the nuances, the different relationships. It's like the experience of any job. You need, need to be there. And you have to remember, yeah. our members, Ireland is a patchwork quilt of different affiliates and members. Mm and equilibrium between them is really important so you could have a stage in time where the League of Ireland feels extremely unloved you could have a stage in time where schoolboy football does not feel loved and we've gone through all of this in the last few months 100 years of the League of Ireland part in my opinion but, but anyway. you could have at the mo- like you have schoolboy football as you know going into the AGM schoolboy FAI which has 120,000 young players didn't feel that they were getting the right end of things they had a big pushback on it junior football could feel they're not being loved they were giving too much love to the League of Ireland these, you have to manage in the role of my role you also have to manage more than, two, more than 200 staff at the FAI there are commercial realities our sponsors of course our partners TV deals that need to be done we've just agreed the biggest TV deal in the history of Irish football um, with, with UEFA for the 22 to 28 period which is an extremely high amount of money we've just announced Nissan last week as the sponsors of the FAI who are the Champions League sponsors. So for me, that was nice because obviously UEFA, we did the deal as Champions League. Now back at Ireland, we do the deal as car sponsors. So there Will are that so have many a reality passes. on the League of Ireland, any of that? All of it does oh. because that's how all these deals that are done um, are what funds our contribution currently to the League of Ireland. Now, the Th- next step... Do you think that needs to be more transparent? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, sorry, I mean, maybe Darren that's what you were no, no, to say. Said, I mean, yeah. 
When I travel to other countries, I can see when they run the league, they'll put up at the AGM, here's how much money we get in, this is what goes to League of Ireland, or their league, this is what yeah. contributes to it, this is what goes to junior football, this is what goes... That to me is child's play, that just should happen. There's no reason why you wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's up to the members, well, to the boards, to sign off on what contributions should go to each part of the game. And you should say what should go to the league. If we are doing our new strategic plan for Irish football... For me, the League of Ireland should be front and centre of it. No question about that. Therefore, it deserves the most investment. Therefore, it deserves um, yeah, radical change. Therefore, it des- deserves leadership. But the League of Ireland has never really been called out as the front and centre of no, Irish it football. it hasn't. Yeah. And that's the point where I'm, I know I'm cool and calm about it because I know it needs to be. I know if I'm there, it will be. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, I wouldn't be there. Well, I do think the that, is, that is the memory I have of us in our room. But in that was your feeling then, you know. And I don't think uh, that has changed, which is yeah. good for me no, no. to see. You know, it's more than ever. But mm. as I say, we are not in a position to rant and rave about it. That's not yeah. how we that's, can that's behave. That's what we'll do. I'll do that over yeah. here. <laughs> it's just not how we can, we can operate. We have to be cool, uh, but have that burning desire to make it happen. It's just sometimes not as obvious because we have to manage our way in a certain way we have to demonstrate now look when we get to make that decision I'll be more excited than anybody so it can be done I mean clubs aren't aren't babies at, at the end of the day it, you know it does need some regulation and some controls over how you do it but the belief needs to be there and I, I do believe other sports as well no, I know we're talking about former players maybe on it but maybe the experience from people in, the, in rugby who have brought professionalism to Ireland or you know people from outside in other professional sporting industries would be useful at the top end of the FAI. And what I would say is that could well be the case that there are discussions that go on in the background okay. are people who've got experience in exactly developing rugby, um, big rugby competitions, commercialising them. Yes. And I go back, I have to say, when you have good commercial deals for something, it comes from confidence. The broadcasters need to have confidence in the product at the moment, there's some decent stadiums, like Tallis Stadium was there last night. It's a lovely stadium, but there's other stadiums, as you know, are not right for great TV production. And you need everyone together. You'd need the government involved in this, by the way, for the infrastructure part of it. You would need huge broadcasters, whether that's the Skies or BT Sports or RTEs or you name them, you know better than I do. Than I do. You need to have big companies who put their neck out on this thing and say that's a yeah. bit of a red but again, like, again no, I, 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 I do think unless the top bit is driving it no clubs are, are scrabbling no, around in no the dark question. trying exactly. going up and down no question you need mm. to have the big vision mm. and we need to say the I model mean, is best this the association and outside investors will really invest in this for the next say 10-15 years guaranteed but it needs to be the conditions to allow big investors because when the investors come in they're going to look for a return generally they will generally so we need to create the conditions and have the vision to attract these people in that's not rocket science by the way that's not the hardest thing to do I'm calm about it because I know we can do it and we will do it my only personal concern is that I run out of time um, because I have to go back to UAF in December whoever comes in as the full time chief executive will be an important person in terms of having that vision for the league and I hope whoever they do get for it does have that vision if you had perhaps those centralised contracts for the top yeah. League yeah. of Ireland players as well yeah. as the women's maybe the guys who are on the verge of yeah. going over yeah. and you say hold on a second 
we'll pay we'll, the club because we, we, we see you and this could be at 18, 19 we see you as someone who could make the Irish national team uh, in the future we'll support the club's contract in respect of you uh, on that basis then you're supporting the club at yeah. a crucial time to keep the player here until he gets a, a high, and he can get a higher challenge I think it's more difficult now because okay. some of the clubs have moved on okay. um, and I mean Dundalk's that they've just they're owned by investors from California who have plenty of money if we turned up to them and said actually you want to buy all your players again I don't know if that's a runner for us now but you instead never, of all their players could it be you know the, yeah, the, the pick of the guys okay I like the idea I think you're going into extremely difficult waters because if the FA are helping a certain club keep a player who goes on to win the league for them mm. yes, maybe one, one from every club that could be the way but why not figure it out and say okay what are the rules we can bring in if we said two or three mm. from every club and they have to be yeah. they have to be eligible to play for Ireland for example um, they need to be doing the minimum of this training and psychology and nutrition all that kind of stuff but I think we're I think getting to where what needs to yeah. happen we the, 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 the only thing is if we are now workshopping the league right the here the support from the FIA yeah. needs, <laughs> to, needs to be seen physically you may going. actually hear the league's future <laughs> being decided <laughs> live basically yeah, yeah, yeah. this could be this, the moment this, this could be the moment this, let's, let's go we paid like a million times I think we need more coffee but what I'm saying is on Tuesday the full day we're with the clubs workshopping through all the headings of what it takes to build a league to the commercial side, the player development side, the contract side, the community development, fan engagement, all the, there's about 15 headings we have. There's guys from UEFA who are top guys working through the clubs what the league's vision should look like. At the same time, we've got other people working on the league's vision, Kieran News and Nutters. So why I actually feel quite comfortable today with this is I believe that we're heading there. I think it's a real moment of change. Um, I think everything that happens in your life leads to something uh, or should lead to something. If you keep working hard, you get rewards. I think somewhere around this, I feel that I'll have a role to play, whether I'm here or back in UEFA, whatever it is, in this. And I'd love nothing more. If I do nothing else now in my life apart from enjoying my family and building a good family and getting the right future for the league, I'd be really happy. Because many have tried. Many may not have tried hard enough. But I'd love to play a role in making a big decision for the league that and sets it on for you onto the right path. As part of that, the League of Ireland needs to be the priority for yeah. a certain amount of time, sure. isn't that the case? For sure. The priority. For sure. Yeah. In the association's new strategic plan for Irish football, which will be worked on now, is being worked on now. Certainly, I mean, I can't speak for the entire association. I can speak for, as, as the interim general manager, etc., and who managed the, managed the staff of the association there's a realisation that we need to put the League of Ireland at the centre of what we do. That probably is not the case. That is not the case right now. It is not. So it needs Nor to has it ever been. Um, My view. Sorry. I thought, Sorry I, I, you know. I, thought I, I thought I'd managed to ease up your bit of this. Clearly I haven't. Um, but um, it needs to be front and centre. It needs to be. Um, I don't have any, any doubt about that. So, um, yeah, in the new plans for the FEI... The, and the new FBI, because there's lots of new people coming to the FBI all over the place right now of different skill sets and different experiences, which is great. You know, part of what I'm doing here is to keep reminding them that the League of Ireland needs to be at the centre of what we do. Um, and not just to say it, to demonstrate it um, by how much money, the percentage of income of the FBI that's invested back into the League of Ireland. If you want to see what someone's goals are 
follow the money. Yeah. I go back to Neil's point actually. It's fine to talk about and all that stuff, but we need to show leadership. I need to show real bravery. And that's what is needed and that's what we will demonstrate. I'm Hope, sure. Hopefully that will happen. Noel, thanks very much for meeting us in, in, in Limerick, Absolute which is lovely pleasure. to see. Um, and we wish you the best for the future. Thanks, Whatever Larry. that thanks, brings Cheers, you. Noel. If it brings you to the lake and in thanks Geneva. Larry, by the way. Sorry, thanks, thanks for Larry. Larry sitting through that. <laughs> Sorry, Larry, that's an hour you're never getting back. <laughs> <laughs> flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance check out united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly medical dental and vision coverage that may be right for you more at uh1.com